Stay tuned for A Word from the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings us part two in his teaching series, A Day is Coming. Here now is our teacher for A Word from the Lord, Dr. Foley Beach. It's December 21st, 11, 11 in the morning. The year's 2012. Many people believe that on that day, at that time, the end of planet Earth as we know it will occur. The ancient Mayan calendar, which is based on the sun and has been very accurate in, in depicting uh, all the lunar eclipses and the solar eclipses, just stops at that point. Their elaborate and sophisticating dating system just comes to an end. And we're told that they believed that that will signify the end of what they called the fifth age and that the earth would be destroyed by major earthquakes. December 21st, 1111. Now their civilization was from about 2000 uh, BC to 1697 when the, the, the Spaniards basically conquered them. Then we have a prophecy by uh, Nostradamus. Some people believe that he was a prophet and that sometime between the year or near the year 2000 that some major body would collide with Earth, whether it's a planet or an asteroid, and that it would cause a, a meteorite or an asteroid to fall into the Mediterranean Sea and create such a tsunami that the wall of water would be high enough to cover Mount Olympus, and Mount Olympus is 2,917 meters high. Now, he lived from 1503 to 1566. Modern physicists tell us that in the year 2012, we're overdue for another round of sunburst, or solar flares as they're called, radiation burst from the sun. They say that these are expected to be worse than we've ever had, wiping out our communication systems and much of our power grid. Other scientists tell us that any day now, the poles of the earth the North Pole and the South Pole are supposed to reverse. That this happens every so many thousands of years, and, and, and we're right on it. And if that should happen, that the change of direction of our climate systems would create major havoc on Earth. I mean, just think about it a minute. In the, in the, when you flush the toilet in, in the Northern Hemisphere, it, it goes a certain way. In the Southern Hemisphere, it goes, well, that'll all be reversed. Winds of 300 miles an hour or more. Now, the new movie 2012 pulled pieces of all of this together and basically portray the earth being destroyed, being wiped out as the earth's crust is remade in the year 2012. Now, I need to say other astronomers and other natural scientists say that all this is hogwash, that if you do studies and if you look at accurate science, that there's nothing showing that this is going to happen. According to NASA scientists, nothing bad will happen to the Earth in 2012. These scientists say our planet has been getting along fine for more than 4 billion years. Incredible scientists worldwide know of no threat associated with 2012. Then you add to the mix all of uh, what I'd call some of the New Agers out there, um, and then, then some other really strange folks, and you've got all kind of stuff coming our way 
for the year 2012. Even some Christians are getting into it. Um, as you know, the Lord speaks in visions and dreams, and some people take those very seriously. And uh, this woman by the name of Leslie had this dream in, two th- in uh, last month, November 2009. This is what she writes. The Lord Jesus Christ has sent the Holy Spirit to me, and he has made known these dates just as he has made known dates to Jeremiah. History will repeat itself in a new nation, and a great circle will be completed. In 2011, on the 25th day of the 12th month, that's Christmas, the world will be plunged into religious war. The new Jerusalem will fall at the hands of Babylon. On the 10th day of the 10th month, that's October 11th, or October 10th, a great famine will begin. On the 10th day of the 5th month, that's May 10th, something will happen, but it was not revealed to me what that was. It will not matter what we are doing for a living. Draw near to your family and gather your faith. And then Sam says he had these dreams. He said, three times in September 79, January 2nd, 1991, and October 2000, I believe it was Jesus who told me that I would not see death, but see him coming in the clouds. And in October 2007, he told me I had five years left. I believe this means that I will see him coming in the clouds in the year 2012 for his people. The world is not going to end, for Jesus is coming to rule the earth for a thousand years, and then the earth will end. Now, I could go on and on about this kind of stuff that's going to be coming our way as we get closer to 2012. But I want us to turn quickly to Isaiah chapter 24. If you got your Bible, open with me. Because I, I want you at least to hear what the Lord says is going to happen whenever that time is. Isaiah chapter 24. Remember, Isaiah was written 600 years before Jesus was born. Uh, his book is full of prophecy. And Isaiah 24, 25, and 26 talk about prophecies of the latter day. 24 verse 1. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priest as for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as for maid, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor or as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the exalted of the earth languish, the earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore a curse consumes the earth, its people must bear their guilt. Therefore earth's inhabitants are burned up, and very few are left. The new wine dries up, and the vine withers All the merrymakers groan. The gaiety of the tambourines is stilled. The noise of the revelers has stopped. The joyful harp is silent. No longer do they drink wine with a song. The beer is bitter to its drinkers. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is barred. In the streets they cry out for wine. All joy turns to gloom. All gaiety is banished from the earth. The city is left in ruins. Its gate is battered to pieces. 
so will it be on the earth and among the nations, as when an olive tree is beaten or when gleanings are left after the grape harvest. And then in the middle of all this awful talk about destruction, verse 14, they raise their voices, they shout for joy. From the west they acclaim the Lord's majesty. Therefore in the east give glory to the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea. From the ends of the earth we hear singing, glory to the righteous one. And then the rest of the chapter goes back to all this destruction that is going to happen on the earth. Now this is the second Sunday in Advent. And Advent's the season when we talk about the coming of the Lord. But it's a season of hope. And so what I want to say to you is fear not. What the Lord is going to do, whenever he is going to do it, is not something that we Christians, we believers, ought to be terrified about. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Our hope is built on the promises of God in his word. Our hope is built on the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Our hope is built on our relationship that we have with him, that he gives his children. But there will be a day when Jesus will return to planet Earth through the clouds. And there will be no scientific way to predict this. A day is coming. It's a day when Jesus will return to the planet. He will return to judge the world. He will return to set up a kingdom for a thousand years. But we're told it will be like a thief in the night. It will be sudden. It will be a surprise. When he comes again to earth, we're told that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And yet I want to remind you what we talked about last week that Jesus said that no person on earth, no man or woman, will know the hour or the day or the time that that was going to occur, that only the Father will know that. Is something going to happen in 2012? I don't know. But I do know this, that he has the whole world in his hands, that he is the sovereign ruler of the universe and that nothing is going to happen to us without him knowing it and without it being a part of his plan. I do know, as in the words of Philippians that we heard earlier, that we can be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ. In other words, he's not letting us go. And no matter what comes our way, what's thrown at us from society, what's thrown at us from the world, we do not have to live in fear. And I do know that no matter what comes our way, whether it's the chaos in the world around us, we can be confident in this God we serve, that nothing, nothing, neither things present nor things to come, nor things in, in the heavenly realm or things here, nor principalities, nor angels, nor any power, anything can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8, 38 and 39. Now, what will happen when Jesus returns? Well, scholars have argued about that for years. And I want to give you a kind of a warning here. And that is to not get so wrapped up in all the details of that that you miss Jesus. We don't want to be like so many of the Jews of the first century. They were so wrapped up that the Messiah had to do this and this and this that they missed Jesus when he came. 
And we don't want to be so wrapped up that it has to be this or this or this time. I'm a pre-millennialist. I'm a post-millennialist. I'm all these different things that you hear in the Christian circles about it. Uh-uh. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus so we don't miss him. But a day is coming when Jesus will return. And the scriptures tell us that some certain things are going to happen. The first is, we're told, he's coming to gather the whole church. Every believer, he's going to gather. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 4 says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. At some point, he's going to return, and we're going to be gathered up with him. Now, the scriptures tell us several things about what will happen. First of all, we're going to have our glorified bodies, 1 Corinthians 15. That that means our eternal bodies. They're indestructible. We're also told that we're going to see him in his resurrected body. 1 John tells us that. That we're going to see him as he is. We're also told that our works, that is our deeds, will be judged at that point. Imagine a CD <clears throat> playing back on the screen everything you've done. Ooh. At that point, we're all going to be judged. And then we're told that we will reign with him for a thousand years, Revelation 20, chapter 20, verse 4. He will come again, and, and what he's going to do is gather us, and it's not something to be fearful of. Secondly, he's coming to judge the nations, Matthew 25, 31. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his throne in his heavenly kingdom. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from his goats. That's called the judgment of the nations. Actually, do you know that in the scriptures there are actually five judgments? We usually just think there's going to be one big judgment. There's actually five that the scriptures talk about. The first is the judgment of the believer's sin, John 5, 24. Basically, this is talking about when you and I come to Jesus Christ, our sin is atoned for by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's judged there. And so we're treated because of that as if we've never sinned. That's what's so awesome about the cross is when we receive him into our, our lives and we become a believer, our sins are atoned for. That's the first judgment. The second judgment is of self by the believer. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us when we come to the Lord's table and we come before the presence of God anytime, that we should judge ourselves rightly to make sure that we are living in repentance and we don't have sin in our life. If, if not, we bring judgment onto ourselves. Third, the judgment of the believer's deeds. Every, as we said earlier, everything that we have done will be looked at and judged. Now, this isn't a judgment for salvation. Notice it says the believer's deeds. The believers, we're, we're already number one up there, the judgment of believer's sin. We're already in heaven. It's not your salvation judgment. It's, it's a judgment to reward us according to our deeds. We'll re- receive rewards. And then the judgment of the nations, which we talked about, and the judgment of the wicked. And that's the one we don't like to talk about. And it's actually very graphic there. It says the wicked will be thrown into the lake of fire. It's not a very pretty picture. So he's coming to judge the nations. The third thing he's going to do, he's coming to save Israel. 
Romans 11, the Apostle Paul writes this, verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. So and so all Israel will be saved as it is written. And then he quotes, The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn the godliness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. One of the things that will happen when he returns again is he's going to save Israel. A fourth thing, he's coming to sit upon the throne of David. And you'll recognize this scripture from the Christmas story, Luke 131. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, where's the throne of David? Just anybody. Where, where do you think the throne of David is? Right hand of God? Well, where was it on earth? In Jerusalem. <clears throat> and we heard some prophecies last week, although we didn't expound on them last week, about where he was going to come when he comes back. And Jerusalem is where he will be. Uh, a fifth thing, he's coming to bring righteous government to the earth. Righteous government to the earth. And I know a lot of you guys are concerned about the government. And um, it seems like we are in every generation concerned about the government. And we want it to be more righteous. There will not be a righteous government. We can try to make it righteous until he comes back to rule. Hebrews 1.8, but about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Only he will bring true righteous government to, to our lands. A day is coming, but we have nothing to fear if we're ready. If we're ready. Listen to Hebrews 10, 37. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. You see, we have nothing to fear if we're ready. So how do, you get, how do you make sure you're ready? You make sure you're ready by living to the words that we heard read from the gospel about John when he called people to repentance, to live lives of faithfulness and repentance, to be in right relationship with God. And so something that we should ask ourselves actually every day, but especially every time we gather to worship, but and even more especially if we think about him coming, is there sin in my life that I've not repented of? Is there something God has put his finger on and said, I want you to, to deal with that. I want you to stop that. Or I want you to begin to do this. You know, a lot of times we sin by not doing something. It's not just sinning by what we do. So is there something in your life that God has said, deal with that, and we refuse to deal with it, then, then you're not repentant. We need to be willing to follow him and change and do whatever he asks us to do. We're ready by being holy, living faithful lives, and being right with him and our neighbor. Also think it would be good to practice what we talked about last week. 
when, when I shared with you about when I was in college and all this talk about the Lord coming, and I heard this TV guy say, he, he said, he's, basically, you, you seek to live your life as if he's coming back today. But you plan your life as if it's not going to be till after your lifetime, because we won't know. But if he's coming back today, I want to be ready. So I was thinking about this last night when I was reviewing my sermon I thought, if Jesus was really coming back Sunday afternoon, what would be different in my life? Think about that a minute. If, if, if you knew for a fact that tonight, at 9 o'clock Jerusalem time, Jesus was coming back, what would change? What would be different? That's a clue to you on what to do to get your life right. Because we, we live in this, like the song said, we're like asleep. We're not awake. And we need to be awake and pay attention to these things. Because he is coming back. I can't tell you when. Is he going to be 2010? I have no clue. I have no, is the world going to be messed up in 20? Well, probably more. I mean, we're a messed up world. <laughs> But, but is he coming back? I don't know, but I want to be ready. How about you? You want to be ready? One last verse. I don't know if I have it up there. We do. This is at the end of Revelation. And by the way, Revelation gives some sequence of events. Um, and then John summarizes this at the end of his letter. He says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Then Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Then he ends it with a blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Now, said all that, I want to ask you a question. This is a tough one. Do you really want him to come back? I don't sometimes. I mean, I have to confess that. I love this world we live in. I mean, yeah, it's hard. There's some difficult things, but I mean, nothing like a beautiful day out there. Nothing like going to the beach. I mean, just it's just beautiful. Plus, there's a lot of people I know that don't know him, and I don't want him to come yet till they know him. But am I ready if he does come? I want to be. I want to be. And so that's my challenge to you. Do you want to be ready? And are you ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we live in so much hype around us every day. And we hear so much stuff. Help us, Lord, to be able to discern and put aside what is false so we can be ready for you. Come, Lord Jesus. It's that time of year again when a word from the Lord evaluates the effectiveness of the broadcast. So if you would like to continue to hear a word from the Lord, please contact us with the call letters of the station where you hear our broadcast. You can contact Foley directly at foleybeach at a wordfromthelord.org or you can write to us 
Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Remember to include the call letters of the station. Thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. If you would like to get a copy of today's message and the entire series, please visit us and order online at awordfromthelord.org. That's awordfromthelord.org. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Again, the address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. If you have any comments or questions, please email Foley at foleybeach at a word for the Lord.org. His email address again is foleybeach at a word for the Lord.org. Thank you again for joining us for this broadcast of A Word for the Lord. We hope you'll tune us in again this same time next week. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, I'm Jeremy Coleman, and it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.